Hey guys, welcome to the Living and Collective Podcast, where we are inspiring and equipping women into living their full lives while working together as the collective. It is Lacey and Christy here. Today we are meeting with Dr. Julie Jackson from Westlake Dermatology. We're really excited about this. Um, We're meeting with her today to talk about Skin Cancer Awareness Month, which is May. If you guys don't know, we have tons of questions for her. We've gotten a lot of questions from um, clients that have sent questions in, and we're super excited to introduce you. And We just want to know a little bit about your background and what you're doing, where you went to school. And we're super excited. And she's at the Westlake location, if you guys are in Austin. Right, on B-Caves Road. On B-Caves Road, yes. And she is awesome. We just love Julie. She's part of our running community. She's part of our Living in Collective community. Like, she's just an all-around amazing person. All of you would love her if you don't know her personally yet. Hopefully you will soon. But, yeah, tell us a little bit about you, how you got into your field and where you went to school. So I went to school in Galveston at the University of Texas Medical Branch. That's where I got my um, medical degree in 2008. And then I went to UCLA for my dermatology residency and my dermatopathology fellowship. So I'm board certified in both dermatology and dermatopathology. And I see patients at the Westlake location on Bee Caves Road three half days a week, the rest of my time is spent um, reading slides or diagnosing the skin biopsies um, from patients at at Westlake Dermatology. So you really know what you're looking for because this is what you do. Yes, yes, this is is what I do. And I'm very excited to um, share information about skin cancer and um, skin cancer prevention with everyone. And we do have a little disclaimer first, right? Yes, we do have a little disclaimer. Um, so again, this is this podcast is for general informational purposes. Um, I'm not establishing any doctor-physician relationship with any patients, and if you do have any concerns based on the podcast, you should always seek um, your own physician's advice on whatever your concern is. That's great. That's yeah, perfect. we so appreciate that, and we really do encourage you. I mean, that's kind of the purpose when Julie reached out to us to let us know that May was Skin Cancer Prevention Month or Awareness Month. Um, it's really with the intention of all of us developing a really rhythmic practice. We'll talk about in the podcast, but just like how important it is that we do have a relationship with a professional that knows exactly what they're doing when it comes to our skin health in this way. And I got to go visit Julie and I saw her behind the microscope and I was like, oh my gosh, I thought you were cool before, That's but so like cool. you really, I love what you, what you do. So thank you for sharing your time. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Do you knowledge. think they did it in May? Cause it's right before the summer. Probably. I think that's so smart. <laughs> like, it's not like December. Yeah. And, yeah. No, yeah. It, actually, May tends to be when we pick up as far as being busy mm-hmm. um, because people are, you know, wearing shorts, wearing tank tops. All of a sudden, they're seeing these moles or new spots from last year that they weren't paying attention to. And so then it gets them to come in for appointments. So this is, it's kind of a good time to be talking about this. And it, it does tend, people are interested at this time of year. Yeah. It, are, it is. It's the time, like, it's already warmed up a little in Austin. And so we're running outside in shorts and tank tops and it, maybe a hat, maybe not. Julie was wearing a hat this morning. I know. I don't think I've ever seen not. you not in a hat. Yeah, so I'm I, like checking out Julie's face. She has the most gorgeous skin. We're going to yes. talk all about that. But um, we always see her out running. So I'm like, oh, I'm checking out. All yeah. Of if I'm outside, I have a hat mm-hmm. on. That's just. <laughs> we were talking in the car about walking the talk, how powerful it is when you walk the talk. And so, you know, obviously 
a lot of, but like we really look up to you because you look at Julie and you think like, well, what are you doing? Because I want to do all the things totally. that you're doing. Meaning <laughs> by example, that the whole actions are louder than words thing is so, so resonating. So our demographic, like we're definitely commonly hear conversations about, you know, more cosmetic and beauty when it comes to skincare. But tell us about the realities of what you're seeing. Like how is skin cancer a, um, an issue for our demographic, for women? Like what are you seeing in the real world of... So skin cancer is actually larger than all other cancers combined. Um, So the reason we don't hear about it so much is because the majority of skin cancers are what we call non-melanoma skin cancers, which are basal cell and squamous cell, and those don't tend to be Mm life-threatening. The reason that they're cancers is because it's uncontrolled growth of cells, and if left for a long period of time, they can cause ulceration in the skin For example, if you had a basal cell on your nose and you never treated it, you could lose the shape of your nose, you would see the underlying cartilage, it would eat away your face. So that doesn't happen because most people go and and get it treated um, before it gets to that point. But that's the reason we treat these um, even though they don't tend to cause any overall impact on your health or your lifespan. Um, they, they can cause an impact on the quality or the cosmetic um, area. Now they can actually, both basal cell and squamous cell, if really left untreated for a long period of time, they can metastasize and act like any other cancer. But it, that usually takes a very long time or is in very um, select kind of patient populations that are immunosuppressed. Um, and then speaking about Texas, so one in three Texans will have some sort of skin cancer in their lifetime which is huge. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. So if you don't personally know someone now, you will shortly because most of the time skin cancers do pop up um, in patients 50s, 60s. That's our most common kind of age demographic. But young patients in their 20s and 30s do get it as well. Um, and then beyond the one in three Texans, Texas is the third largest state for melanoma diagnosis. So um, it's a big problem here. I think it's, I always joke about it with my patients. I say it's because it's so hot that we can't wear any clothes. And so we're exposed to the sun all the time. (laughs) Julie, um, last week we were doing a race and she's like, I'm going to be wearing long sleeves. And it was predicted to be super hot. And I was like, I couldn't imagine anything worse because I, it doesn't even cross my mind. Um, that's so smart because I am totally guilty of just like less clothes in the summer and I mean you said that yesterday. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I get excited when it gets hot because it means, oh my gosh, I can work out in a sports bra. It's like super easy. Right. I love running. I love feeling the sun beating down on my shoulders. Like it feels great. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not thinking. Right. Oh my gosh. Like that impact from June until what, September here at least is it's in the upper nineties low 100s here Mm -hmm. um that's a lot of exposure that's a lot of exposure yeah it's a lot and then um you know going back to kind of the skin cancer rate so of course we're all everyone's concerned about melanoma um superficial melanoma or something called melanoma in situ has a very high cure rate and a very good prognosis so it's not as deadly and very thin melanomas um that are invasive kind of same thing very high cure rate Um, 99% cure rate, potentially um, not as deadly. But deeper invasive melanomas, those are problematic. And um, that's kind of what we hear about in the press. And that's the kind of mortality or or the death rate from skin cancers typically 
going to be your very deep invasive melanomas. And for that, one in 40 women will develop a melanoma. Um, so That's high. It's very high. So it's a big, you know, melanoma and non-melanoma skin cancer are a big burden on our population. Many people will um, get these diseases. And so it's important to protect ourselves and prevent them, you know, based on our current scientific knowledge. Gosh, I wonder why we're all just so... Do you think we're just choosing denial? I mean, I live in denial a lot about all kinds of things, but I wonder if I'm just, oh, I'm too young, I'm not thinking about it. Yeah, I think we're just, um, you know, we're. I'm in my late 30s. Um, I think at late 30s, I have a handful of patients that have um, non-melanoma skin cancer and melanoma, but it's very low compared to patients in their 60s or 70s. So I think at this time, our kind of peer population is just younger and we haven't gotten them yet right yes and is it the exposure now that, that's what I was that ask. correct yeah it's actually lifelong exposure so um really interestingly there was one study that um found that just one sunburn in childhood one blistering sunburn in childhood or adolescence increases your risk of melanoma by 50 percent oh i completely remember having blistering sunburns mm-hmm. wow julie yeah and then um, another study looked at blistering sunburns between the ages of 15 and 20 and found that five blistering sunburns between the ages of 15 and 20 increases melanoma risk by 80% and non-melanoma skin cancer by 68%. So it's, it's huge. <laughs> oh, wow. And you think about, like, I don't know if this is everyone or if it was just me, but, like, whenever I did blister, it was always your nose. nose. Uh-huh. Possibly shoulders, mm-hmm. right? Like yes. so, you're talking again about that same exposure, yes. that constant exposure. Yes, I mean I remember as a kid when I was like seven or eight, my nose would peel off the entire summer. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, because mm-hmm. it was always burned. Because I'm skin type one. Yeah, I'm translucent. <laughs> you're gorgeous. You're gorgeous. <laughs> Are there certain areas that you do see? Um, I mean, I've heard, I think it probably might be an old wives tale, but like, are there certain areas of the body that you see more skin cancer on women? Yes. Um, so, you know, any highly sun exposed area is going to be at risk for developing skin cancer. Um, so in general, the nose is actually the area that develops the most skin cancer for women. They found that the calves or the lower legs tends to be a little bit higher risk for developing melanoma. And um, interestingly, so melanoma risk is more really tied to that intermittent um, sun exposure, those sunburns, rather than chronic sun exposure, with a caveat that there is one type called lentigo maligna that is more related to chronic. But anyway, so that intermittent sun exposure, I think, really happens on the lower legs in women because of skirts and shorts, whereas men walk around wearing pants a lot more. And men tend to get intermittent sun exposure, sunburns on their back, you know, when they're mowing the lawn and they take their shirt off Mm -hmm. or they're at the pool without their shirt. So um, there's a little bit of a different distribution um, between men and women, but it's really an individual person wherever you've had that blistering sunburn or that high intensity intermittent exposure. That's really your highest risk location. That's what I had heard is that that back of the legs, and I didn't know if that was like a yeah. old wives tale or if that was true, but it makes sense. That's that, true, I mean, yeah. Who would put sunscreen right there? Mm-hmm. No. Not me. You. I mean, well, you do. I, do. I, I know. know. <laughs> do you do now? We're going to starting today. Yeah. So I did today, this morning. Good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, um, yeah. and then I think, you know, some people uh, have questions about, well, how do you know that sun exposure? What evidence is there that the sun is actually causing this? So, 
I, uh, my background actually for college was biochemistry. So I like really getting into the mechanism and ultraviolet radiate. So I guess, uh, I feel like we got to back up a little bit. Yeah. So talking about sunlight and, um, the, what we get from sunlight. So we get a different wavelengths of light. Some are in the ultraviolet range, um, UVA and UVB, and that's what causes skin cancer and sun aging. And then we have visible light that comes to us in an infrared light as well. And so there's different wavelengths of light. And when UVB comes in contact with the skin, it actually will cause damage directly to the DNA by causing something called cyclobutane butane dimers. And so what happens is if you imagine like a double helix, um, that's kind of like a ladder that you can climb up. It breaks one of those rungs of the ladder that goes off horizontally, and then it kind of binds it vertically to the um, analog below it. And so then when your body is trying to read the DNA, it can't read it correctly because it has this weird shape to it. And then that's when you start having mutations and problems. So the body luckily is really good at fixing these um, cyclobutane dimers, but it doesn't always. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to prevent the damage in the first place. And then in addition to the direct DNA damage, ultraviolet light also creates a lot of um, reactive reactive oxygen species in the skin. And those have different effects such as causing the blood vessels to dilate which is what we see as sunburn. So if you have a sunburn, you have DNA damage, you have a ton of reactive oxygen species, that's really, really bad. But backing up a step, even your kind of low-level chronic light exposure is still causing those cyclobutane dimers. It's still causing reactive oxygen species, just not to the degree that it can cause a burn. And so um, what tanning is, is your body is like, whoa, we can't handle all this damage. What can we do to help ourselves? So there's these cells in our skin called melanocytes, and they are what produce our skin color. They start to produce a little bit more pigment called melanin, and that melanin is taken up by the other cells in the top layer of the skin, and it kind of acts like an umbrella or a shield around the nucleus to help prevent the nucleus. So a tan is not healthy. It's actually a sign of chronic damage that your body is trying to fight off. Oh, I'm chronically damaged. I mean, I feel like I already am. This morning I roll up to carpool and my the other mom was like, you're looking tan. And I was like, what? Like, I just wasn't even that excited about it. I was like, I think I was actually, I actually washed my face. I think I was actually just red. But um, I was like, oh no. It really is a shift. Like we are, we are, we've been talking about other areas of health and life that we like shift our perspective because of the cultural view on it is like if the majority of culture, like here in Texas, like mm-hmm. we, the community we all live in is on a big lake, like it, the culture in the summer revolves around being on the boats and yeah. you know, the lake life and we run a lot outside. And so just, it feels culturally normal to be tan. Mm-hmm. So to hear what's actually going on in the body. And then like, you know, we all grew up in the, we'll just say like eighties, nineties, whatever. Yeah. When, I mean, I remember the tan was it. Like, oh, you had to be yeah. tan. Yes. Yeah. I would lay out in my backyard with baby oil yeah. on thinking I was making myself more healthy and beautiful. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, like now I have, you have little umbrellas all over your skin. <laughs> So much oh for that. God. So much for that. Yeah. So like it really is helpful to understand. Yes. I think 
I, I mean, I love like that basic science mechanism. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting um, and useful and powerful uh, to really teach people that it's that it is important. Have you ever been tan? I mean, of course. I grew okay. up in the 80s and 90s. Like, I was a lifeguard. I mean, I was like yes. five shades of yes. brown. <laughs> I think now back to like they bought us. This is how this horrifies me. They bought us a, a an umbrella for the lifeguard stand, you know, because we're mm-hmm. sitting out there for long shifts. And I remember us being like, why would you buy us an umbrella? Like, this is yeah. I, like I want to get. That's why I got this job. Right, like, yeah. I'm going to get a tan. And now I think like every day day and that sun and like and and like you were saying just the way the sun hits you when you're sitting in a chair is like Mm -hmm. shoulders it's Mm -hmm. nose it's Mm -hmm. yeah and I you know with my skin type um I can't tan unless I burn first Mm -hmm. so it was like every summer burn three or four times and then start you know tanning it was like that rite of passage (laughs) like I just need to get through a couple burns and then we're on our way to looking like so I have I definitely have plenty of damage from my teens oh my gosh (laughs) all right well let's dive right into sunscreen we have lots of sunscreen questions so sunscreen every day yes so um I do sunscreen and what I recommend to my patients is sunscreen on your face ears neck the v of your chest and the back of your hands and that is every day all year round, no matter what, every morning. And then if you are, depending on your skin type, gonna be in direct sun exposure for more than 15 minutes and you're not covered by clothing, then apply sunscreen to that area as well and reapply every hour and a half to two hours. Okay. So for our active people, like I know you're really active, Julie, like how I overthink it. So Mm -hmm. like in the morning when I'm throwing on my workout clothes, I'm thinking like, well, I'm not gonna put it on now. Because I know I'm about to go sweat, mm-hmm. and then I'll come back and take a shower, and then I'll put on all my stuff. But that, what do you just like? Yeah, so I, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I wash my face, and I put on my sunscreen. And, okay. like, if I'm going for a run, like this morning, I have tinted sunscreen that makes it me look pretty. Because yeah, totally. <laughs> it, you know, kind of conceals some of your freckling and stuff. So I put on my tinted waterproof sunscreen. And then, like this morning, I chose to wear a long sleeve shirt and shorts, um, so I didn't put sunscreen on my arms, I did on my neck and chest and my legs. Um, I do like wearing sun protective clothing um, as well. I think it does better than sunscreen um, overall because sunscreen does sweat off and wear off and part of the mechanism of sunscreen, um, especially the chemical sunscreens, they are degraded as they are protecting us from the sun and so you know, what you put on in the morning is not really active later in the day. So you do need that reapplication um, throughout the day if you're spending the, the whole day outside. Okay, so let's piggyback on that about yes. the chemicals and sunscreen. Yes. I know the past yes. few years, um, just lots of promotion, different companies, we won't name any brands per se, right. but, um, you know, all natural skincare, sunscreens versus the copper, oh, I just did it. <laughs> right your drugstore brand your drug the drugstore brand, brand yes. versus, um, yes. which is hard because it's all there's like cost and yes. it's like what does it really matter like yes. what are your thoughts on that yeah so um i think again like going back to the basic science of sunscreens sorry i hope everyone no, likes science yeah. as much as me <laughs> um so there's two different types of classes of sunscreens so we have what are called our physical blockers and those are zinc and titanium And those are um, physically blocking the sun or reflecting the sun's rays. And um, there's been a little bit of controversy with them because of being micronized. 
but uh, there's really not any evidence that the micronized forms are being absorbed greatly in the body or causing any harmful effects. Of course, science is changing all the time, so we have to see. But I think in general, those are very, very safe. And you know, zinc is something that we ingest and is required for certain functions inside our body. So I'm, I'm pretty on board with the safety of zinc. Okay. And are those like, if it says a mineral-based sunscreen, yes. does that typically mean That's the titanium correct. or black? Okay. Yeah, mineral-based only sunscreens are the titanium and zinc only. And that's actually personally what I prefer to use and what I have um, is what I apply on my daily basis to myself or my daughter. Um, and then there are chemical sunscreens. Um, so those are sunscreens that work by absorbing the radiation from the sun and converting it to a lower energy radiation, such as heat. Wow. So essentially, um, they're like carbon rings that take the energy on, kind of do some chemical transformations within it, and then release that energy as heat. And so um, those sunscreens, because they're working by changing their structure, then they don't work after they're, they've done their job. So those wow. need, need frequent re- reapplication. Um, So those are your two classes of sunscreens. And then talking about SPF, kind of what that means. Um, So the sun protection factor, I think, is a confusing concept for a lot of people. Um, It's essentially a ratio, and it's a laboratory measurement. So what they do is they take volunteers, and they put sunscreen on their body in an area, and they irradiate their body with UVB and they look at the minutes it took to burn on the sunscreen spot compared to the minutes it took to burn on the non-sunscreen spot, and that ratio is what is the SPF. So for example, if a person burned in five minutes on unprotected skin and burned in 50 minutes on their protected sunscreen skin, then the SPF of that product would be a 10. And so that's what SPF means. Interesting. And then SPF actually only tells us about the protection against UVB. UVB is the type of sunlight that causes burns, and that's what causes those um, cyclobutene dimers. And actually, it also does something great. It makes vitamin D, but we can get that in our diet, which is what I recommend. (laughs) And then um, UVA is not, um, has nothing to do with SPF. So you don't actually know if you have SPF protection for UVA unless on the product it also says it's broad spectrum. So your best sunscreen is a high SPF that says broad spectrum. And then as far as the chemical sunscreens go, um, they've gotten worse press over the years. Now definitely the very first chemical sunscreen that came out was PABA. And um, PABA is not great. (laughs) So PABA pretty much is a nothing. You almost cannot even buy a sunscreen with PABA in it, and you shouldn't. I would say do not use PABA. Um, So PABA was developed uh, because of the wartime. There were a lot of um, people in the kind of South Pacific tropical areas. They were getting really bad sunburns. We needed something to protect the skin. So PABA was created, it prevented sunburn, it allowed our troops to stay out for longer periods of time. Um, But we have found that when PABA um, does its reaction with UV light, it does create reactive oxygen species that can also be toxic. 
Um, so there's that concern with PABA. And then secondarily, PABA um, causes a lot of contact allergic reactions in people. And so many people will get a rash kind of when exposed to it. So it's not, um, one, it's not your best. It was great when that was all we had. Totally. But it's not the best choice now. Now, the newer chemical sunscreens um, like oxybenzone and avobenzone, they provide very good UVA protection. And right now, they are generally thought to be of a safe. And there's not really um, enough scientific evidence otherwise. Now, um, <clears throat> for oxybenzone, people are worried about that one being a hormone disruptor. And they, um, there was a study in 2008 that looked at pregnant women and actually found it, that chemical is absorbed in your body. It is secreted in your urine. And they found that women with a higher secretion of that um, had low birth weight babies or lower birth weight babies. So... Um, that's kind of where everybody got concerned about the use of this chemical sunscreen. Um, however, it's really hard to tease out these studies and, um, and very small studies like this correlation does not mean causation. Mm -hmm. So just because you see something happening in a small subset of patients, we don't know if that applies to a big population. So, you know, for this one, I think kind of the jury is out. Mm -hmm. Um, if you looked at all my sunscreens that I have, the brands I usually use are Elta, um, or I use like a physical-based sunscreen. Um, I don't. I choose personally to avoid um, avobenzone and oxybenzone, and choose a broad-spectrum high SPF um, sunscreen that does not contain those two ingredients. But um, and I, for me, it's really just that the jury's out. I think yes. that at this point in time, they are safe. And I will say that if I'm on vacation. And the only sunscreen I can buy is one that contains those ingredients. And you know what? I buy it and I use it. But it's not necessarily one that I'm choosing for my daily use. What do you mean physical-based sunscreen? So the titanium or zinc. Okay. Yeah. That's really helpful because it does get confusing as to the whys. That makes so much sense. And Julie was so kind to put out. We have a great picture mm -hmm. of the products that she uses. So we can, we'll definitely post that so you guys can see physically because it, it helps. Um when you're making those decisions, because it is, like you, you said, like, so here, if you're at home and you have a lot of choices, mm -hmm. just to know, like, what's the best, like, you know, just yeah. what, if I do have the choice, like, choosing a mineral-based, if I have that option, but then also not stressing about it at the end of the day. Correct, yes. Preventing skin damage yes. is your number one yes. priority. And Love then, it. I think what's really interesting, so, um, sunscreen is blocking the light, right? So that's blocking the direct, that's, blocking the reactive oxygen species that's blocking the direct DNA damage but there are also now um, supplements in um, studies that have shown to actually scavenge those reactive oxygen species or help once the damage has already occurred and so uh, something that I've started taking recently is an extract from ferns and it's called polypodium leucotomus <laughs> we have it in the picture <laughs> we have it in the picture um, and so this is a antioxidant essentially that has been shown to kind of clean up the damage or that reactive reactive oxidant oxygen species that have occurred from the sun damage um and um niacinamide is also a great supplement for that mm -hmm. so there was a very large study that came out of australia a couple years ago and it showed that taking 500 milligrams of niacinamide twice a day decreased um, high-risk non-melanoma skin cancer patients 
um, incidence of skin cancer by 23%. Wow. And so there is a supplement um, called HelioCare Advance that I take. It has a combination of the polypodium leucotomus and a combination of the um, niacinamide or nicotinamide. Um, and so that those are just antioxidants that help your body to process the damage once it's occurred. So it's definitely not a replacement or supplement for sunscreen, but it's something that you can do in addition to. It's like, I'm going to try to prevent the damage with my sunscreen. And then if any damage does occur, I'm going to try to clean it up with these antioxidants. That's awesome. We'll link yeah. those in the show notes for people, those products, so yeah. that they can find them. Yeah. That's I, awesome. I have a lot of the supplements. <laughs> <laughs> It's really cool. Like I didn't know until I came to visit you and you taught me about the fern supplement. Like this is really cool. That is so cool. And I mean, that's just, so the Helo Care is just one brand. This fern supplement is, you know, there are many other brands of it, but that supplement in particular, the polypodium leucotomus is, has pretty good evidence actually for the um, reactive oxygen species induced damage. That is so cool. So now the growth of melanoma, as far as the timing of it, um, that does that factor into how often you want to get checked by your dermatologist? So as you start to develop a rhythm of having a skin cancer screening, yeah, is there a certain timing that works well to make sure, like you were saying, if you can catch it, it's right? Yes, tre- very treatable. Yes. So um, in general, it's probably good for every adult to have a baseline skin exam with a dermatologist, and then go based on their skin type what their recommendation would be for how frequent skin checks are. Um, because the frequency of skin checks really depends on your skin type, your sun exposure history, your family history. Um, that being said, patients that are um, lighter skinned and have more history of sun exposure, sun damage, probably need to go on a yearly basis um, to have their skin checked. Patients that have many moles, so it's thought about um if someone has maybe greater than 50 to 100 moles, those are very high risk patients for melanoma and they should go at least yearly and, and in some instances even more frequently, like every six months. Um, and then if you've had a skin cancer, uh, typically I'll see those patients every six months for a year and then kind of back to yearly. And if you've had a melanoma skin cancer, then I, I see those patients every three months and then kind of space it out after a year based on how many moles they have and what their other risk factors. But I think in general, it's probably good for everyone, every adult, um, to get in and have a kind of baseline exam. The uh, rate of skin cancer really picks up after puberty or after adolescence. So I do have a lot of parents ask me about childhood exams, and I say, if there's a spot you're worried about, bring them in. Um, But as far as like population studies, really the risk is highest after puberty. So I say kind of have a baseline sometime after puberty, sometime in adulthood, see what your dermatologist recommends for follow-up. That's good to know. It's based on your skin type and history. Like it's not just a blanket. Yeah, there's not um, just a blanket. Um, I mean, of course, if you look, there are definitely blanket recommendations. I, but, but I love that baseline <laughs> consultation. That's awesome. So I'm just so curious. This is so off topic, kind of. But can you like look at people and tell their skin type? Just yes. By, okay. Yeah. So that's a that's a really good question. So there's something called the Fitzpatrick skin type, and there are um, 
different levels of those. I kind of alluded to I was a Fitzpatrick skin type one. And so what that means, and I'm actually not, I'm probably a two. But what a skin type one is that they will never tan ever and they always burn. A skin type two is, um, will usually burn, but sometimes tan, and then so on and so on to where you have your you know very dark skin African-American patients that never burn. What number is that? Um, I would have to, I didn't like read, look at yes, this. Yeah. I think it's like five or six. Okay. Um, so I think the Fitzpatrick scale goes to five or six. Okay. Yeah. That's so cool. Now with your... So you're like a three. You can sound... Two. Two to three. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What do you think I am? Two to three. I mean, I think you're, you guys are two to, you guys are like two to threes. I'm a one to two. This podcast is about us. <laughs> it's like personality type. Now I don't know if it's Patrick type. So with your daughter, um, going just quick back to the sunscreen. Yes. Do you, you knowing she's going to be on the playground in the afternoon. I put, her, she, I put it on her Same spots. Face, ears. Correct. And her legs and arms. Okay. I actually um, do it on all her exposed areas because they're outside for yes. almost an hour and a half. In the Texas sun. In the Texas sun. And her skin type is like me, a one to two. She has never had a sunburn. Um, what do you put on her? She has never had a sunburn. <laughs> She's never had a sunburn. Oh, and hopefully never will. So beautiful. I'm a little jealous um, of her. So the so what I the product I actually just found and I love it so much. Oh, <laughs> so at H E B um, Sun Bum, which yeah. they're other products I didn't love that much. They came out with a mineral only spray. That's a SPF 30, and it still has that wonderful coconutty yes. pineapple yes. smell, and it's great. <laughs> Julie, is that so what you put on her before that's school? That's what I put on her before awesome. school, but she hates sunscreen on her face okay. um, because she doesn't like that greasiness feeling, and so there is a sunscreen in a powder form um, by Color Science, mm-hmm. and it's a waterproof sunscreen, actually. So I put the powder on her face, and she's a little blonde girl, and um, her scalp is visible, so I put the powder on her scalp as awesome. well. We're gonna have to take a picture of some of these individual products. Yes, all of them are in the like uh, the big picture yes. that we took. But we should do some because the color science is phenomenal, especially for us women that sweat. Is how I found out about it. Like, yes, it's so easy it's to so, apply, and it's great to reapply throughout the day. It's very easy. Ooh, what are your reapplying rules? Yeah, so every two hours, okay. um, if you are in direct sunlight, okay. um, and I like the powder. Like if you're at the park, but you're cute, like you're at an Easter egg hunt. Then I like the powder for on my face. I've used it on my body. When I was at Disney, for example, the powder was really easy to carry around. And I just set a timer on my watch. And then it went off and it was like, oh, it's two hours, it's time, and our family stops. My husband doesn't apply sunscreen. He just gets burned, and he's just going to have skin cancer. But <laughs> at least he'll be treated by you. At least he'll be. At least I'll hopefully catch it early. Um, but my daughter and I, we get we get that sunscreen on every yeah. two hours. I and love then, that he's resistant. It's not. I love husbands are like that. My husband does that too. He just goes the other direction on things. Yeah, it's just it, it's okay. <laughs> I love him anyway. Totally. And then um, one point I wanted to make about spray sunscreens. So mm-hmm. you have to rub in a spray sunscreen for it to work. Oh, wait. It does not work by just... Are you serious? Yes. Oh, I thought that that was the lovely part of it. No, spray your kids and they run away. Nope. That is how you miss areas and get burned. Got it. So all um, spray sunscreens to properly apply it needs to be um, two to six inches away from the skin. You kind of apply it in this steady stream or stripe on your skin and then you rub it in in that whole area. And so... 
the reason I like the new Sunbum, uh, another reason I like mm-hmm. the new Sunbum 30 mineral only spray is because it sprays in a white stripe. And so you have no choice but to rub it in, but it also does make the application of sunscreen much easier. So um, just remember, if you are going to use a spray, you do need to still rub it in. It doesn't work by just spraying it around you. And then the lastly with um, sun app- sunscreen application, uh, nobody applies the proper amount. So the higher SPF, the better. Um, really, in studies and the way they get the SPF, it's a very thick layer of sunscreen. And so if you were going to cover your entire body, like you're in a bikini, you're doing head-to-toe sunscreen, um, in order to get the SPF that's on the bottle, you need to be applying one ounce of sunscreen, which is a shot glass size. Most sunscreen bottles are three ounces big. So that one bottle should really only last you three full body applications, which- Oh my gosh. I mean, it lasts yes. like three summers right, for some people. Right. Oh yeah. So it's estimated that whatever the SPF is and with actual use of what people apply, it's about a quarter. And so I say go for the highest SPF you can because how people actually apply it, you're getting probably adequate if you use the higher SPF. Oh my gosh. Of course, yes. We're like putting our our hands (laughs) on our face. Christy and I are like, oh. Well, I was almost feeling proud because since we were doing this podcast today, I did put on some of my sunbum before running club this morning. However, it's my bottle from like at least last summer because obviously I don't put on enough when I use it because I still have it because I know I yeah. use, it still has my hair bands, my like hair ties wrapped around it from last summer. It's clearly not from the store. Right. So it's very <laughs> good to know. And especially with like our sweet little ones, like they just like you get to the pool and they're right. ready to go. So right. I guess you apply at home or just... You, I apply at home, okay. yeah, because it needs to be on 15 minutes before you're swimming. Awesome. Um, okay. Otherwise, it's just going to wash right off. And so um, I told you, you know, all those statistics about sunburn and how crazy they increase the risk of melanoma, non-melanoma skin cancer. And those are really important for adolescents and children. So really making sure that your kid does not get a sunburn is, is very important for their future health. What about if they do get a sunburn? What are your tips? Yeah, so if they do, um, don't don't be sad. I had a million as a child. (laughs) You'll deal with it. Um, So if they do get a sunburn, there are um, you can give them some Advil. You can put on some hydrocortisone cream. There's a study that shows vitamin D supplementation after sunburn can help um, with the damage from Mm. from the sunburn. So. Uh, you know, a supplement with vitamin D um, can be given to them as well. So, that, you know, that's what to do and then really just strictly prevent further sun exposure. Yeah. I think where, you know, right now my daughter's seven and so it's very controlled. She's really with me all the time. We're, um, I'm in control of putting sunscreen on her, but I know that when she gets older, that's not going to be the case. She'll be at a sleepover for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. She'll be out on the lake with friends and then it's whoever's with her though everybody knows that's friends with me that I'm a dermatologist and I will go crazy if they yes. let her get sunburns. So. I would not want <laughs> that in my wash. Yeah, no. <laughs> if you're going to come swim, if she's going to come swim, your house. That would be a very hard text message. Um, Jolie, uh... Yeah, so, but... Can I, she spend the night? We're going to need right. you. But it, but it happens. Yes. Um, yes. You know, again, uh, we live in the real world and it will be okay yes. if it happens. It's not the worst thing in the whole yeah. wide world. And rash guards are such a big thing these days. I love which rash I love. guards. Like yes. I, if my kids go swim, I'm just like, where are your rash guards? Like just as 
to start, yes. you know. Um, and even my husband, he'll never swim without a rush guard now either. And he, like, we do love the white sunscreen, and our friends totally make fun of us. But, and especially with the kids, then you can, like, see, see it's on. You got it, yeah. And they can't, I mean, they don't care. They can't see in the mirror. So we're, like, lighten it up. And it goes, you know, it, it, it fades does. quickly. Yeah, it um, does. It does blend in eventually. Yes. <laughs> But that's great to know because you can see it. I yes, love that yeah. about, we'll definitely take a picture of the one, the sun bomb. Yes. I think that sounds like it should be in all of our bags this summer. That sounds perfect. And mm-hmm. I do love the smell. Mm-hmm. The you, smell is great. Like, quick vacation. Yes. Like you're on vacation. Yes. So for like the sun damage, so back to us, like as our women, our tribe of, mm-hmm. or group of women that are all learning. Like, so for those of us who have experienced sun damage more in the like appearance wise, mm-hmm. are there things you can do to help? Um, um, reverse. I know, like, yes. there's a lot of commercials about reverse, reverse sun, damage. sun damage. What's the real? Tell us the real scoop. Yeah. You. So, um, the sun damage causes a couple of problems in the skin. Um, one of the problems is loss of elastic tissue, and unfortunately, that can't be reversed at this time. So, there's nothing that can repair your elastic tissue. Um, the other issues that it causes are um, brown spots or sunspots and um, dilation of blood vessels and loss of collagen or breakdown of collagen. And so there are um, definitely cosmetic ways to kind of deal with with those issues. Um, You know, I think in general, a daily SPF on your face and a retinoid at night and potentially an antioxidant like a vitamin C serum in the morning is good. And I really, I like to keep it simple. So I personally use a product by Revision um, called IntelliShade. And it is essentially a tinted moisturizing sunscreen with antioxidants. So it's like everything in one. It's the, that's what, that's it as far as what I'm wearing right now. But the tint is really nice and it really does kind of blur some of the imperfections. And then it has the antioxidants to help repair some of the imperfections and it has your sunscreen to prevent more imperfections from happening. Um, So that's kind of a good way to do it. And then as far as um, like broken blood vessels that happen from sun damage, really only lasers uh, can take care of that. And as far as collagen, again, if that's gonna be more fillers or lasers. Uh, and then, you know, wrinkling that happens from sun exposure, that's Botox in certain areas. I know. I think we need to have a whole, a whole other podcast. Yeah. On the cosmetic <laughs> side of it for right? sure. I know. I'm curious. I am too. <laughs> we would love your time to do one that's more of like the woo-woo side. Yeah. Of... <laughs> the fun side instead yes. of the wah-wah. skin cancer. It's so true. Like before summer, because all yeah. of us are planning our beach vacations. Yes. And then, like you said, just ordinary life, whether it's on the lake or our kids are playing sports outside. So right. they're out there, but we're out there too. Right. Yeah. So sitting in those chairs and like if, you know, I don't put, I honestly don't put on sunscreen before we go watch a soccer game. Right. I don't think about it. So I love that. I'm going to start texting you. Please. Would you? Yeah. Like, okay. And sunscreen? then if yeah. you, if you are crazy like me and start to really wear sunscreen, if you're out, um, you, you will probably get vitamin D deficient. Okay. So, um, if you are very, very strict about your sun protection and I, I am, I periodically do get vitamin D deficient. I have it checked. Yeah. Um, I've had to take prescription, um, supplementation and then take vitamins. If I would just take my vitamin on a daily basis, yeah. I would never be deficient, but I, you know, I'm a person and I don't, totally. I'm not Aren't we all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a person. Except 
except with the sunscreen. <laughs> right, except with the sunscreen. I'm perfect. I'm I know, super like, human. I don't know. So, you sound really yeah. <laughs> So um, vitamin D, you can get vitamin D3 over the counter. And in general, oh. most adults are going to need to take 800 IUs daily and children between 400 and 600. Um, but it's definitely best to get that checked, see where you're at. And if you do need supplementation, if you're in a good range and then you're going to increase your sun protection, um, just keep in mind that you'll probably will need an additional supplement in order to maintain a normal, healthy level of vitamin D. That's great to know. Yeah. And then that retinoid that you were talking about, yes. is that best to get from your doctor? Is it best to get a uh, prescription grade? Yeah, so um, ret- retinoids, retinoids traditionally were only prescription grade and retinols were over the counter. Retinols are not as good as retinoids. That being said, um, a couple of years ago, adapalene or Differin, which is a retinoid, went from being a prescription to being an over-the-counter. So, you know, if you want to start with a retinoid, the best thing would be to go to Target, spend 16 bucks, get Differin or adapalene, and start that every night. Now, they can be really irritating or drying. They're definitely not for everyone. Especially is that a brand? Or it's a brand. Different, different okay. is the brand. Okay. The ingredient is adapalene. Okay. So um, there are certain skin types, like your rosacea-prone people, that are just not going to tolerate it. Mm-hmm. So it's not for everyone. But if you can tolerate a retinoid, that's that's what gives me my glow. You know, that's what like kind of erases some of those thin lines is that Is the retinoid. prescription one better? Yes, of course. I'm asking for a <laughs> yes. That friend really wants to know. This yes. friend. This friend. Really wants, wants to know. know. Yes. So the prescription one is stronger. Okay. Um, so I personally use a prescription retinoid. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yes. Oh my I gosh. feel like I have a million more questions. I do. I actually do. But I think they fall into the, like, the glamour department that we yeah. really do. <laughs> if you would share your time with us, we would sure love to learn more. Do you have any more questions? I don't know. I'm just feeling like I really need to get on top of this. Yes. Today. I think that's great. Like, I think it's just a great, just like we talk about like, like nutrition the, and health. powder. I'm really, when I'm like, yes. right as we're going to end this, I'm going to have you show me that. Do you have the color? I have the, yeah, I yes. have this out on the. Okay. We'll I'm take pictures of everything. Yes. Put them in our stories and um, in our notes and. Just everywhere. We're going to put them everywhere. You guys are going to be so tired of hearing about these products. You're not going to have to look for it. We're going to blow you up with all these. Any last minute thoughts you have about. Skin cancer and skin, some damage. This whole I'm I, such a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like that was a whirl, whirlwind. Um, there's nothing. I mean, if you have any other questions, I'd be happy to answer them. But yeah, I think that's also, a pretty good basic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, but I don't want to get like again, just going back to the disclaimer um, of the fact that you really do need to connect with your own physician to look at your skin. But just as we are, you know, the year in between our appointments, possibly, what are there any things we should be looking for on our bodies that could be a sign? Yes, yes, that's a great question. So, again, the two types of two main types of skin cancer, the non-melanoma skin cancer and melanoma, kind of look different. So, for your non-melanoma skin cancer, that's basal cell and squamous cell carcinoma, those will look like kind of rough, scaly spots that are very kind of well-defined and they don't ever heal or go away no matter how much moisturizer you put on it. Mm. And basal cell in particular, if you traumatize it, maybe just by kind of wiping your face vigorously with a towel, it will bleed. So if you have any spot that kind of is pinkish, rough and scaly, 
bleeds every now and then, definitely get that looked at. Um, as far as your melanoma skin cancer, those are your moles. So melanomas arise about half the time from a brand new mole on your body and half the time from one that you already have. So you have to keep an eye on the ones you have and you have to watch out for new ones too. And with melanoma, what you're looking for um, are what we call the ABCDE criteria. It's not, the, it's not a perfect way to do it, but I think in general, it's a pretty good way. So A stands for asymmetry. If you were to take your mole and fold it in half, it should be exactly the same on both sides. B is for border, so that the edges of the mole are very sharp, circular, well-defined. C is for color, that it has even coloration throughout. D is for diameter, so smaller than about five millimeters, which is about the size of a pencil eraser. And E is for evolution, so if it's changing over time. And then the other one that I like to really throw in, is because some people have 50 moles and they none of them fit that criteria, they all look weird. Um, and so those patients that have a high number of moles that look a little funny, um, you know, probably have what we call dysplastic or atypical nevi or atypical moles. And um, if you are one of those people that has a lot of moles and it's hard to keep track of, another good sign is what we call the ugly duckling sign. And so that's one mole that stands out. Like if you have a field of 30 moles and they're all a little funny looking, but there's one that none of the other moles look like, and it, it might not even be brown, it might be actually pink then that would be the one to worry about. So um, keeping that in mind too, like do any of my moles look like each other? Is this one a unique looking one? You know, then get that checked out for sure. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, speaking of color, I know they're not moles, but the as we age, we get some of those mole looking... Yes. Sp I don't yes. even know what they are. They're called seborrheic keratoses. Okay. And essentially they're, it's really interesting under the microscope, the... The very top layer of the skin, what we call the epidermis, is actually thickened and it's really bumpy. And so um, the, we don't know why this happens, but it's probably hereditary or genetic. So it's not related to sun exposure. It's not viral. It's not a wart. Um, really, at this point in time, we don't know exactly what causes them and there's no way to prevent them. So the, they're totally age-related spots. Um, that are actually thickenings of the skin. So if you can't bleach them with bleaching cream, because the skin itself is thickened, they have to be physically removed by either a peel so or liquid nitrogen. So you can't remove, like I have one and I shave it, like it's on yes. my leg and it always bleeds. And yeah. then it just like doesn't, someone's like, oh, the, you can't ever get rid of those. Is that true? Well, it depends on what it is. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> you might need to go somewhere. I know. <laughs> Um, I mean, but, for a friend. <laughs> but uh, seborrheic keratoses, you can um, you can remove. The skin never looks quite normal, usually. Sometimes it does, but sometimes with the liquid nitrogen, you get a little lighter area of skin after treating it. Um, but those are, I, I tell people, they're birthday presents, and however many you get depends on mom or dad. So they're just a lovely sign of age. How lovely. <laughs> Thanks, mom so and dad. Fun. Thank you. I love that. Birthday presents that we didn't even know about. No, yeah. <laughs> a gift that keeps on getting. Oh my gosh. Well, it's so helpful. We really, really appreciate you. We really cannot wait to dive in to some more cosmetic fun. Fun. Like yeah. how... And we'll close. It'll be great too because 
we'll be able to get more questions directly from right people mm-hmm. that will ask all kinds of things. So then we don't have to have it from us. So we could just be like, someone asked this. Just kidding. We own up to all of our stuff, but, um, this has been awesome. I've learned like actually everything you've said has been, um, I've learned today. So, and it's such a real, like, I feel very inspired. Like I don't feel like I do feel inspired. Like the summer is going to be different. I'm going to be more intentional this summer because I think it helps when, you know, as a consumer, there's so much information out there mm-hmm. and you just don't know what to believe. So to be able to hear from a professional that's in the field and that this is what you do every day is just very helpful. Like it, it helps to kind of break through all the riffraff of marketing and all the, all the things. Yeah. We so appreciate it. And I you. think we should definitely do a newsletter too with all mm-hmm. of these products. So if you guys haven't signed up for our newsletter, you can go to livingandelective.com, mm-hmm. sign up for our newsletter. Um, we can put out a whole thing about this because I... Again, we're just going to throw it all out there, every avenue we can. If you're looking for ways to connect with Julie, she is at Westlake Dermatology again on B Caves. And anything else you want to add? I guess um, since I'm a physician, I have to also do disclosures. Oh, yes. 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 (laughs) We love you. Yes, please do a disclosure. Um, So that's like if you're... I am invested in no company, so I have nothing relevant to disclose. I mean, obviously, I work at Westlake Dermatology, um, so that would be really the only disclosure. But all the products I've recommended, I use personally, um, and they are sold in multiple places. But I am not invested personally in any of them. Thank you. That makes it, that makes a big difference too. Honestly, yes. to be able to hear like that means a lot. That it's not because you're not just pushing something. Right. Like yeah. yeah that know. like it's mine. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> this is my company. She <laughs> could create her own sunscreen. She's that smart, and she's a scientist. So maybe so that would be for that in the future. That could be your next thing. Would you be interested in creating products no. or no? <laughs> no. Okay. It's, like, it's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, mean, I would buy it if you did. So. <laughs> I see what my husband does with uh-huh. the, with his dog uh-huh. food company, and that it's just uh, I'm busy enough. Yeah. I was gonna say <laughs> you're so seeing and living and breathing it every day, right. so yeah. you see like yes, that's not projection. I'm gonna keep right. doing what I yeah. I what like I what I do. I like seeing people. I like looking at my microscope. I, we're proud of you. Yeah. We're so grateful Thank you so for everything much. you do. And yeah, we can't wait to have you back next time. Sounds good. All right, thanks, thanks guys. So have an awesome day. Thanks, Julie.